You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. I don't know if you can tell, Brain, but I am fired up! Fired <laughs> yeah. up! Four in a row, baby. Four straight wins. And and it's not just that we won the four straight game because that's great and, you know, that's a wonderful thing. It's the fact that we completely dominated the Carolina Panthers. And we completely dominated the Carolina Panthers by following the game plan that we needed to follow to a T. Not just following, but executing it. And it was, it was as if... The Dolphins could do almost no wrong on Sunday. I don't want to get carried away and say it was one of the greatest performances I've ever seen from the Dolphins because it certainly wasn't that. But they went in, and on this Sunday afternoon, in a season where it has been a lot of slow, grinded-out, kind of ugly football, the Dolphins went in and gave us a relatively stress-free Sunday afternoon with a 33-10 victory over Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers to win their fourth straight game to go to 5-7 and seven on the year. I mean, that's a pretty solid situation, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, Cam Newton gave us a very stress-free Sunday. It was, it was really nice of Cam Newton, uh, to, to get his good game, uh, out of the way last week and give us the, the Cam Newton stinker that reminded us that this is not the quarterback that he was a few years back when he was winning the MVP award and taking his team to the Super Bowl. That there was a reason why he, he got beat out and was, basically picked up off the scrap heap by the Carolina Panthers this year. Uh, that said, the Dolphins' defense was outstanding in this game. Uh, you know, yes, was it made easier by the fact that Cam Newton had a couple of terrible decisions and terrible throws? Yes. But this was the most complete game that the that the Dolphins have played all year. And, I mean, that doesn't say much because they haven't really played anywhere near a complete game up to this point. And this was not exactly a complete game, but it was the only time this year where I felt like every side of the football offense, defense, and special teams played well. Uh, yeah, they didn't play. I, I didn't feel like the offense did anything amazing. The special teams obviously gets a 
gets a touchdown. I mean, when you get a, a touchdown on special teams, that's an A performance. But Jason Sanders also missed an extra point. So that continues to be a little bit of a concern. Um, and, and the offense I just thought was efficient and did what it needed to do with the opportunities, albeit had a couple of moments that were pretty, pretty ugly in this game. And if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, you know, the defense basically put us on the doorstep for, I think, 10 points and the special teams gave us a touchdown, uh, you know, this game could have been a lot different. But at the end of the day, they did play complimentary football and they beat a Carolina Panthers team that had a lot to play for. Uh, and, you know, myself included in a lot of people thought that the Panthers were the better team coming into this game and the Dolphins completely dominated the football game. So they really, really did. They dominated both. Uh, I mean, all three phases of the game, truly. And that was so remarkable. And now, granted, maybe they got a, they got a little bit lucky because Christian McCaffrey has what we now know is a season ending, uh, ankle injury at that early on in, in the game. And so he really was not ever a factor in this one. And, and while you mentioned the fact that Cam Newton had a bad day and made mistakes and wasn't the quarterback that was the MVP of the league. I mean, this isn't even the same quarterback that was the quarterback week one against the Dolphins last season when he was with the Patriots. This is just not the same guy. But the fact is he made a lot of those mistakes because the Dolphins forced him to make those mistakes with their play defensively. They were constantly pressuring him. And that was the name of the game. We knew it going in was that this Dolphins team needed to put Cam Newton in a position where he was going to beat us with his arm. And early on in the game, he hits that 64 yard pass to DJ Moore. And you're like, okay, if Cam Newton's going to make that pass over and over and over again today, and and that's why we're going to lose this game, then fine, so be it. But you know what? That was the only moment. It was the only moment of the game for Cam Newton, really, when all is said and done. Because, I mean, look at his final statistics. Cam's final statistics are 5 of 21 for 92 yards. 64 of those 92 yards come on that one pass to D.J. Moore. The Dolphins, how about a 5.8 quarterback rating for, for Cam Newton in this game, which I, I believe this is the, the, I can't remember the exact stat that I heard, but basically this is the lowest ever quarterback rating for a former MVP of the National Football League. I mean, the Dolphins just, they, they brought pain and suffering upon Cam Newton all day on Sunday. And it was terrific. And, you know, it was it was in all aspects of the defense. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the line and Jalen Phillips in particular really coming into his own. Emmanuel Ogba continues to show that, you know, the Dolphins brass that, hey, pay me, pay me. And they really need to. They really need to pay this guy. Uh, he's continuing to play really well. We saw a great game for Jalen Phillips adding another Few, I think I can't remember what the total number of sacks that he ended up with this game, whether it was how they rated it, whether it was two, two and a half, three sacks. I mean, a great game for Jalen Phillips, who is now second in the NFL when it comes to sacks by rookies. And let me read you this stat because it's, I think, really impressive. So Micah Parsons leads the NFL in sacks by a rookie for 2021 with 10. Jalen Phillips is right behind him with eight. Micah Parsons has played 620 snaps this season. Jalen Phillips, 449. Jalen Phillips making a case for himself 
for Defensive Rookie of the Year. For all of the narrative and all of the work, you know, that was going on towards Micah Parsons, and he's had a lot of praise heaps on him, rightfully so. Jalen Phillips coming on strong here in the second half of the year, and I think really coming to his own, particularly now that the Dolphins have realized what it is that he's capable of doing. So a, a great, great game for Jalen Phillips. And again, we saw it in the secondary as well, because you know, look, we got Javon Holland getting another big interception. Xavier Howard gets another interception. Nick Needham with a pick. I mean, this this Dolphins defense is really, Brain, rounding into the form that we saw a lot of in 2020 and what I think we expected to see in 2021, it's really encouraging to see them finally playing the kind of, and putting it all together, playing the kind of football that we had hoped to see. Yeah, they're definitely playing the kind of football that we, that we wanted and thought that we would see them play all year long. And, you know, it, it makes you wonder like what took so long. And I, I get it. You know, when it comes to Jalen Phillips, when it comes to Javon Holland, these are two young guys that uh, are getting better in their rookie season and are developing. And, you know, maybe there were just some growing pains that they needed to go through. And obviously, we also had the injury to Raekwon Davis. Uh, those are those are significant things there. Um but also, you know, X didn't play up to par earlier in the year. Uh, the linebackers were not playing up to par earlier in the year. And the team in general was not playing up to par earlier in the year. And I think now, look, we've got to, we got to see the way the rest of this season pans out. But there is a significant, there is significant evidence that we have a, a trend here with Brian Flores as the head coach, that this team gets off to really slow starts and then sort of figures it out as the season goes on. And it's cool. You want to play, you want to get better as the season goes on and you want to be playing your best football when you get into December and January. That's absolutely true. However, they probably cost themselves the playoffs. By coming, by getting off to a slow start this year. And I, you know, I, I tweeted out, you know, tongue in cheek, uh, about, you know, maybe what we need now is we need, you know, cause we have two offensive coordinators, uh, we need two head coaches. We've done the two quarterback system. We got the two offensive coordinator system. We need two head coaches. We need a head coach to start the the first half of the year and then we need to bring in Brian Flores as the closer to coach the second half of the year. We got to figure this thing out because there's something to this. Uh why are we getting off to such a slow start? It can't just be that you had a couple of rookies on defense. Well, no, but I I mean, but I think I certainly think that's part of it. I think another part of it is the beginning of this season, the Dolphins were expecting their offensive line to play one kind of way and got very different play out of it. And it's taken why? some time for them to figure figures. Well, why? That's a great question. That, but that's a whole other, that's a <laughs> their whole offensive other line isn't playing any better. The offensive line isn't the reason for the no, turnaround. No, 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 no. I, I, I understand that, but they've certainly, you know, having 
Tua back there and calling the plays to get the ball out of his hand faster and dealing with the fact that you now understand that your offensive line can't protect your quarterback, even though I think they could be doing more to generate some time for their quarterback, they are... You know, they've they've at least come to the point that listen, we're not gonna get any protection from this offensive line, so we're gonna we're gonna build a game plan with that understanding in place. That's part of it. I think part of it is also the defense starting to figure things out. These young players are starting to come to terms with it. The game is slowing down for them. They're starting to understand their roles a bit more. You know, Jalen Phillips was being completely misused at the beginning of the season as he was, you know, getting healthy. I think you also had Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, who are not maybe fully healthy, and they have sort of come around. So I think there's a number of factors involved. This is certainly not to make excuses because at the end of the day, you cannot afford to start one and seven because the fact of the matter is we're live, we're living in a world where even if you believe that the dolphins are going to run the table and finish 10 and seven, which it's a, there is a world in which that happens, right? That's a possibility. Even if that happens, there's no guarantee the Dolphins make the playoffs because in order for that to happen, they still need a lot of help and they still have huge losses to the Raiders and the Colts, who are two of the teams that are going to be competing with the Dolphins for one of those three playoff spots. And so that is a problem that the Dolphins are going to have to deal with over the course of this, the rest of the season as they try to make this run to the playoffs. But I am not at a point where I'm ready to have that playoffs conversation yet. I, I think you're right. The problem is this slow start has put the team behind the eight ball. And, and what does that mean? And I want to have that conversation with you. And I want to get into the good and the bad and the ugly of this game. And, and we're going to do that. We're going to do that in just a moment. But first, a reminder to everybody out there to make sure that you are following the same old Dolphin show on Twitter at same old Dolphins. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. And make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. And make sure that you subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, about to hit 2,000 subscribers. So, Subscribe to the channel, turn on the notifications bell so you get notified every time we go live, and smash the like button. Everybody watching on YouTube now, go ahead, click that like button. We appreciate it very, very much. And of course, download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find your podcasts. We appreciate it, and then we appreciate you leaving a five-star review, five-star rating, and a positive review. That is very, very helpful. So, Brain, let's dive in to some of this good bad and ugly from this game. We'll start with the good because I think there is quite a bit of good. So where do you want to start? I know where I want to start. And if you're watching on YouTube, you probably know. Ryan Tannehill? It's not Ryan Tannehill. It's the other, it's the new 17, baby. It's Jalen Waddle. Because Jalen Waddle, my goodness. How about Nine receptions for 137 yards and a touchdown. This man is coming into his own, and we got we got to see a little bit of the afterburners turned on in this game. We got to see a little bit of that Jalen Waddle speed burst. This guy is legit. This guy is great. And I am really, really pleased with the wide receiver that the Dolphins took at number six overall in the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, and not only did you get a great receiver with that pick, but you had a lot of people that, you know, were 
criticizing the Dolphins for for trading down and then trading back up and and taking Waddle and saying, well, they could have just stood pat at number three and had Jamar Chase or they could have had Kyle Pitts. Um, and and Pitts and Chase are great players as well. I think you're splitting hairs, and that was the argument that I think that that I tried to make, and a lot of people made, you know, going into the draft is that you'd be happy with any three of those players, and I think that's the case. That's kind of shown to be true that I think we'd all be happy with any of those three players. But that said, if you're going to be happy with any of those three players, then give me one of those players plus a first round pick and I'm going to take that all day. And that's what we got in Waddle. And at the end of the day, Waddle might end up being the best of, of all of them because honestly, what Waddle is doing right now, in spite of not getting thrown the ball downfield, is really impressive. Because he's, he's getting better and better each week at making contested catches, at getting, finding ways to get open in, in space on short and intermediate routes, uh, breaking tackles, just being, being a more physical player than I think any of us thought that he was going to be. Uh, I mean, he's everything that you want in a receiver right now. Uh, and so, uh, I agree with you. Waddle has been, was, to me, was the bright spot of this game, was the best player on the field for the Dolphins. Um, but if I have to go somewhere else, look, you, you can't be upset when you look at the numbers and the efficiency with which, with which Tua played the game. So you got to give credit to the guy throwing the, throwing Waddle the football. Tua had himself a very good game. In, in this one. And look, you can watch that game and, and, and say, Hey, there weren't a lot of really impressive throws. And every week we kind of realize that. But what we're seeing more and more is the, the consistency of Tua getting the ball out quick, putting it where it's supposed to be on time. And is, and he's getting better and he's getting better week after week after week and he's trending in the right direction. So look, Tua deserves some credit. This was probably, I mean, this was his best game I thought of the season uh, and probably his second best start of his career, probably saved for that Arizona game last year, just because he was just really, really efficient in this game and didn't really make, he had the fumble on the sack, which, Look, you, you can get on him for fumbling, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's kind of hard to fault him when he's taking a blindside hit. Uh, and then other than that, you, what are you gonna get on him for, for a couple of bad snaps? Now, the one of those snaps was a low snap that he should have caught. Uh, he didn't catch it. And then that ended up, you know, resulting in him having to rush a throw that, that ultimately ended up with the Dolphins having to punt the ball. But I mean, that was his worst play of the game. Right. Was, was, was him dropping a low snap, picking it up and throwing an incomplete pass. I mean, you're going to get on him for the, for the snap that was rolled to him and, and say like he could have fallen on it and that would have saved the Dolphins from giving up a field goal. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, at that point, you're being really nitpicky on what was, a really efficient game by Tua. 27 to 31, 230 yards and a touchdown. QB rating 108.3. I mean, it was a 
really, really solid performance from Tua Tungabailoa. I, I mean, I don't know how you argue with that. It, it, was, it was a really good game by Tua. There's another good that we got to mention here, Bryn. How about the addition of Philip Lindsay? I don't think either of us talked about it in the segments that we recorded ahead of this game when we were, you know, it was Thanksgiving and kind of got lost in the shuffle. But Philip Lindsay, 12 carries, 42 yards, averaging three and a half yards per carry. His longest was nine yards. Uh, but it was more than just that. This guy was also in there pass blocking. He was out. The pass protection was really great from him. And I mean, you look at Philip Lindsay and you looked at how the, the, the level of dynamic, decisive running that he showed in this game. I mean, I don't know that it's a terribly hot take to say that Philip Lindsay is now the best running back on this team. I don't know if he's the best running back on the team, but he had the best play of the game from any of these running backs. And that's saying something when one of your running backs had two rushing touchdowns and one of them was a pretty nice rushing touchdown by Miles Gaskin. But the best play of the game by any running back on the Dolphins was on the 57 yard pass to, from Tua to Waddle, where, uh, where Philip Lindsay picked up the outside rusher and came up with a key block. Because if he doesn't come up with that block, that 57 yard pass does not happen. And in, and in fact, it's going to end up being a sack. And you're looking at a totally different football game at that, at that point. I mean, that was the, that was one of the biggest plays in this game. It was the biggest play by the offense in this game. And it doesn't happen without that block by Philip Lindsay. And we've yeah. talked, and, and that that's actually been one part of the game where the Dolphins have really struggled this year has been running backs in, in pass protection. So for him to come in and make such an impact on that play, it's huge. It can't be understated. Yeah, and if you haven't heard his post-game media availability talking about what that means to him and why he it's so important to him. You got to go out of your way to look it up. I mean, an incredible, I mean, really every aspect of the Philip Lindsay post game of media availability was pretty amazing. What a character, what a guy. I am so glad to have him as part of the Miami Dolphins. This was, this was really just excellent, excellent. And I'm really, really pleased to have Philip Lindsay as part of this team. Brain, what other good stuff you want to talk about in this game. Obviously, you got to talk about Javon Holland, that secondary continuing to do work. I mean, the defense really shutting down the Carolina Panthers exactly the way that you would have game planned it. Look, the, you can't you can't not say any you can't say enough good things about the way the defense played in this game. Really save for one play where they were in zero coverage and I don't really know what happened to X on that play. I don't know if he didn't know the coverage or he was going to read an out route and the receiver just took off and he got kind of caught on his heels a little bit. I'm not sure what happened on that play, but aside from that one long pass to DJ Moore, this defense played lights out all game long. Uh, so, I mean, that it's hard to single anybody out. And say this guy, I mean, cause they all really played well. Uh, Phillips played well. Agba played well. Wilkins played well. Duke Riley 
Duke Riley, Duke, hell of a game. Duke, Duke Riley, Riley had himself a game with his, you know, limited snap count, um, which just begs the question, you know, it, it made you wonder watching Duke Riley out there and really this season, maybe the Dolphins ended up overpaying for Jerome Baker, but that's another conversation for another day uh, because if, if Duke Riley is doing the things that you wanted Jerome Baker to do, then maybe Jerome Baker's nothing special. But uh, that said, today's not the day to have that conversation. It was just a good day from pretty much everybody on that Dolphins defense. But I, I think, I, you know, X obviously, you know, made up for it, made up for the mistake, had himself a big interception that put the Dolphins on the doorstep for a touchdown. Javon Holland showing big plays every week now. Uh, it's, it's reasons to be excited. And the fact that they had that kind of game without Brandon Jones, uh, who is, you know, kind of a key piece to this secondary, particularly when they go the, the zero coverage and they bring pressure off the edges from the secondary and that they were still able to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. It, I mean, there's, there's, I don't, I mean, you, I'm sure you could get really nitpicky and, and find things to be negative about in that defensive performance, but this isn't the show for that. And trust me, we're, you know, we're, we're as cynical and as quick to call out the negatives as, as you can get. And, you know, there's just not a lot of it after this game. And in fact, as, as you look at the bad, I don't even know what you say is bad in this game. I mean, Austin Reader, I guess, is bad. Jason bad. Sanders missing an extra point is bad. I, I in fact I, I was thinking Austin Reader was going to be my ugly in this game. Well, I'm going to say that Austin Reader is the bad and you know, I think the Dolphins spared us and didn't really have anything ugly. I mean, you could talk about the Brian Flores challenge early in the game. Uh, you know, that I guess is kind of bad. That was kind of ugly. I also don't think, like, a lot was made about that being such, like, uh, this horrendous challenge. But to me, watching that in in real time and even watching it in the review, like, I didn't think it was going to get overturned because I didn't think there was anything conclusive that was going to overturn it. But that's potentially a huge play, a turnover in the opposing with in the opposing team's 20 yard line early in the game to set the tone. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's a big play. It's worth the timeout because you never know what's going to happen on these challenges. I mean, Brian Flores is terrible at these challenges. So just the fact that he challenged it should have told you that he was going to lose it. But uh, I didn't care that he, that he burned a challenge there. Uh, because if that goes his way, even if there was like a 20% chance that that goes his way, it's a huge play early in the game to change, uh, you know, to, to set the tone on things. What ended up happening is we ended up blocking a punt. Right. <laughs> so it, it, you know, that ended up being the huge play. But what happens in this game if we don't block that punt? I mean, completely different football game. Potentially. Potentially. But Dolphins continue to look good. You know, on offense, things are clicking. Tua coming into his own. It's really great. And it you you love to see it. Now, I'm not going to be one of those people out there on the internet thumping my chest and going at the the negative people 
you know, the people who think that Tua is definitely not the answer. I'm not going to go out there and, and, you know, try to start a fight with somebody. It's, it's one thing I wish Dolphins fans would not do so much of is be, you know, pitting two sides of the fan base against each other, whether it's Tua is definitely the answer or Tua is definitely not the answer. I wish both sides of that argument would just leave it alone and just let's just see how things go. Let's see how things play play out. Don't be so like in the in one camp or the other that you can't see things objectively. Because at the end of the day, this was objectively a very good performance from Tua Tungavailoa on Sunday. And I think it is I think this performance is going to begin to change the national media narrative surrounding this guy. Now, I don't buy a whole lot into it anyway because I'm not one of those people that really cares what the national media thinks. Um, but I know there are a lot of people out there who do. And I think for those people, you know, I, I think eyes are going to be opened as far as this goes because this was a very solid performance. This was a solid performance, but here's the thing. I don't know if every fan base does this, if this is just a Miami thing or if this is just in general an NFL thing because, you know, the, the sample size with things, one game being hugely important that just the, the opinion, the need to form a sweeping opinion, a conclude coming to some huge massive conclusion every week just baffles me because Two weeks ago, even coming into this game, but but especially just a couple of weeks ago, you could have asked the majority of people in the national media and I think even the majority of the fan base for the Dolphins, and most people would have said, you know, I don't think, I don't really don't think I'm, that Tua is going to be the guy. Uh, you know, maybe he could be, but right now I, I really don't think he's the guy. Um, and, and most people were, you know, we're sitting here, we're talking about Deshaun Watson, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about Russell Wilson, we're looking at quarterbacks that could possibly be drafted, what can we do with other quarterbacks looking around the league, looking at what, what our options are going to be, and Tua goes out and has a good game, really doesn't make any wow throws, he makes a couple of really nice throws. I thought the touchdown pass to Waddle was his best throw of the day. Obviously, the 57-yard pass to Waddle, because he hit him on stride with the accuracy, you know, allowed Waddle to get the big run after catch. That was big, too, but it's not like it was, like, a wow throw. I mean, it was just a little five-yard slant that, you know, Waddle did what he needed to do afterwards because Tua put it on the money, as he should. Um we didn't really have any, I mean, we had one long touchdown drive aside from that. We had some other drives where we were gifted the ball deep in, in Panthers territory. We had the benefit of some penalties. We got a special teams touchdown. We had a 10 play 19 yard drive that led to points. I mean, what a Dolphins drive. 10 plays, 19 yards. And I mean, it took it, like six minutes off the clock. Yeah, and, and it served its perfect, its purpose, but it just goes to show you, when you look at the totality of this game, like, Tua had a very efficient game because he put the ball where it needed to be and he didn't make the big mistake. And at the end of the day, that's what they asked him to do. But 
Are we really ready to all of a sudden crown him because he had like a couple of games where he had like 80% completions when the majority of his passes are coming, you know, less than 10 yards? I, I, I like it because what's going to happen is the, the same people that, well, it's not going to be the same people right now. The, the two haters are going to be quiet for about a week or two and the two lovers, the two anon or whatever are going to be the really loud people that are going to, ah, where are the haters at? Well, two is the guy. He's the man. And then he's going to have a game where he throws a couple of really ugly passes where his arm strength is challenged, where the dolphins have to, you know, come from behind and he's put in a situation where things aren't very easy for him and maybe he makes a couple of mistakes and then people are going to say, oh, we need to go get Deshaun Watson. We need to go get this careening back and forth. It's it's just silly. You, you look like an idiot if you're sitting here saying one way or another, like Tua is the guy. He's going to be, you know, a franchise quarterback for the next day, for the next decade. Or if you're one of these people that says that, uh, you know, Tua just absolutely isn't it. We need to go out and get an, and get ourselves a real quarterback. Both sides are just, they're wrong. Like, I mean, they're just, they're guessing. You're, you're just rushing to a conclusion to try to be the person that said this first, but you need to let this thing play out. At the end, the, the truth of the matter, as it always, as it most of the time is, is that it lies somewhere in the middle. Two has been pretty solid. Yeah. And over this last stretch, since he came back from the injury, uh, you know, he's, he's had probably his best three or four game stretch as a pro. And you should be encouraged by that, regardless of whether you think he's going to be the answer, Hall of Famer, franchise quarterback, whatever. You should be encouraged by the fact that your young quarterback, who didn't play for the first half of his first season and missed some significant time already this season is showing signs of improvement and is trending upward. You should be happy about it. You should be excited about it, but you should not be overboard about it the same way you shouldn't be overboard about it the next time he has a bad game because it's going to happen. He's not just right. going to, he's not, not going to throw like 20 touchdowns and no interceptions the rest of the season. It's not yeah. going to happen. And that's the thing. And, and nobody's telling you don't enjoy it. Of course, enjoy it. It's great. It is a wonderful thing for the Miami Dolphins if Tua comes out here and pl and plays really, really great for the rest of the season. And by the way, I want to share because he's played 16 games now. He started 16 games. So we now have those stats for his first 16 games in the book. He is 351 of 524. It's a completion percentage of 67% for 3,515 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He has a passer rating of 90.5, and he also has six rushing touchdowns. If those are the numbers for your rookie quarterback after one season, you're feeling pretty good about your quarterback. Now, here's the thing. And this is a really good point that Chris Kaufman made on Twitter, which is that you have people who are caught up, whether subconsciously or consciously, on tangibles like size and arm strength and that sort of thing. And it makes a lot of sense, right? You're going to, you know, a football player that is a big guy 
you know, a bigger quarterback is going to have a lot more leeway and people are going to give that guy a lot more time because he's got the natural physical gifts. So you're, t- you're going to tend to give him a bit more leeway and a bit more time to develop. But when it comes to a guy like Tua who has less obvious, clear cut tangibles, if you will. He's not a big guy. He is not gifted with a huge arm. His strength is a bit more in those intangibles when it comes to reading the game, when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to accuracy. Those are not the same kind of thing. And so a quarterback like that is given a lot less rope, whether it's, again, subconsciously, whether it's something that you think about, and it's something that everybody does, you know, everybody has these, you know, inherent biases, whether they are, you know, choose to admit that, admit it or not, they exist. And that has absolutely played into this narrative and why is part of the reason why so many people who are just have just made up their mind that this guy is not the guy. The injury prone thing is a very real possibility. It's a very real part of who Tua is, and it is a very big concern as he goes through his NFL career. And until he's able to string a few 16 game or 17 game seasons together now, that is going to be a black cloud that hangs over him. And that's just the way it is. But when you look at it on its face, when you look at the numbers, the numbers are what the numbers are, and they don't lie and you look at the way the dolphins are constructed if they can get more consistent play out of their defense and Tua doesn't get injured this year perhaps we're looking at a team that is not you know longingly hoping that they can win out and get into the playoff mix we're talking about a team that is already right in the middle of the playoff mix so Again, I know I'm one of those people who tends to be a bit more bullish on Tua in general. I was very much on board with the organization drafting him, and I want to see him succeed, and I want to see him succeed for the Miami Dolphins. But I understand that, you know, the jury is still out at the end of the day. And let's not forget that this is a still, he plays, Tua happens to play football for an organization that up until a month ago was trying to make a trade for another quarterback with a lot of significant off the field baggage for lack of a better term, right? This is, that's, that's who this organization is. So the jury is still out on Tua and he still has quite a mountain to climb to convince the organization that he is and should remain the guy. And if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, you should be cheering for that. You should be cheering for him to make that point because then you have your quarterback and you have all of this additional draft capital as well that you might otherwise be trading away. So anyway, I don't want to get into the middle of this war between these two sides of this player as somebody who tries to be in the middle as much as possible, tries to be as objective as possible when it comes to the quarterback and it comes to every player on this team, I'm trying to stay out of the pissing contest between uh, these, these two sides of the fan base that just, just seem to have more interest in being right for themselves and serving themselves for social media clout or whatever it is. There seem to be some people who are more interested in, in self-serving bullshit like that than actually supporting and cheering for the team that they supposedly are fans of anyway that's all i want to say about that yeah i mean i i don't know about all that but (laughs) i'm just saying 
we don't need to come to we don't need to have a conclusion. Like no, you we don't. said coming right. we said coming into the season, hey, let's this this season is about Tua's development. And we've seen him start what? 8 games, 7 games. Like let's let's continue to then, then he got hurt. We went through this whole thing with the finger injury, and then we got through the trade deadline, and then we said, it's a, it's what, like a nine game or seven game, whatever it was, a seven game audition. And we're what, two games into it, and we're coming to the conclusion, oh, it, decision made, he's the guy. No, it's a seven game audition, play out the seven games. And you know what? If he gets hurt, that factors into it too. Because as, as, as Alexander Thompson, one of my good friends here who, who, uh, faithful listener to the show says, flaming everybody in the content. Yeah. In the- here's a stat, Josh. I mean, ignore the typo there. It's taken almost two full seasons for Tua to play a full season. That needs to be taken into account here because and I said that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you, <laughs> you said that in that, but, but just in general, just to reiterate, it's it's not a small thing that the guy he got hurt a lot in college. People are talking about his size. He got hurt in the pros last year. He missed a game with like a finger injury this year. Now, what I'll say about the finger injuries, and honestly, the rib injury too, is that Tua wanted to play through it. And if Tua wasn't a rookie or had a coach. That was more in, inclined to let his players play through things. Then I think Tua would have played through a lot. He would have played a lot more games this year. I don't know that he would have missed a game. Maybe he misses one game, you know, the, the game right after the Bills game, but I don't think he goes on IR. And I certainly don't think he misses any game with any games with the broken finger. And I think that that was a mistake. Uh, and honestly, we got lucky that. You know, it didn't cost us a game because we played the Texans and then, you know, the Ravens played awful. Uh, so we were able to, to get some blown coverages and, and win that game. Uh, but so it didn't end up costing us anything, but I don't think Tua misses any of those games. Certainly not the games with the broken finger. If he's got a coach that A believes in him and two is more inclined to let players play through things, because I'll tell you one thing. Tua wanted to play through his broken finger, and Will Fuller's missed like nine games in a row with a broken finger. Well, you know, we got a we got a finger injury pandemic here with the Miami Dolphins. I don't I guess think it's, not- it's a finger injury with Will. Something's going on there. There's something happening behind the scenes there. There's no way this guy's missing two months with a broken finger. There's just well, apparently something he weird. completely destroyed his finger. It, it, apparently it's really bad. But I I think there's more to it than that as well. I mean, if you remember when 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 he missed the game because of the off the field issue early in the season uh you know reason who does the uh, the finish line here at dolphinstalk.com reported that he had heard some things that there was some stuff going on off out off the field that he said he'd be surprised if if Fuller played it down for the Miami Dolphins based on what he had been hearing about what was going on well now we've got this finger injury and he hasn't played a down and it's like so I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get into the conspiracy theories and don't want to put my tinfoil hat on just yet. But it's it's pretty concerning. But either way, either way, if you're a Miami Dolphin fan and Tua puts up, and what are, Dolphins are now five and seven, so they got five more games this season. 
If Tua puts up five more performances like he just put up against the Carolina Panthers, a team, by the way, that was the number one pass defense in the NFL coming into the game. If he puts up five more performances like that, that are workmanlike, if not, you know, not spectacular, but they get the job done and it's efficient and the Dolphins move the ball and the Dolphins can win games behind it. I mean, you're looking at the Dolphins team that is basically playing as a whole, basically the same way that this team was playing last year. No, maybe the offense isn't quite clicking on all cylinders as the way as it was under Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you're looking at a team with a defense that can really keep your offense in the game by not giving up points. So you've got an offense that if they can score 24 points can probably win a game. Yeah. I mean, if we play Cam Newton and Joe Flacco uh, every week, yeah, probably. If we play Tyrod Taylor every week and we get lucky to to get Lamar Jackson on his worst game, yeah, if if we keep getting that, then, I mean, granted, these next two weeks are looking good. Can we talk (laughs) about the quarterbacks that the Dolphins are going to play? I mean, it's looking good. uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Zach Wilson. Possibly Taysom Hill is where it sounds like the Saints are going next. And then the the bumbling corpse of Ryan Tannehill and then the apparently new odds-on favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, who look, we've already we're going to win the, the next two. We, we should win the next two games. And, you know, we're... I'm just waiting to see who's going to be who, like how long it's going to take. Where are you going to begin to drink the Kool-Aid? Because, you know, at five and seven, a lot of people are already starting because they're, they look at the schedule and they say, Hey, we can do this. This, this can happen. This was the, this was the one that we needed to get past. This was the difficult one. And now seven and seven looks like very much a reality. And then once you're there, then you then you've got an opportunity to play for the playoffs. Um, sure. At but- what point do you, at what point do you get? Ex- I mean, I'm not there yet. To to me, I'm I am trying so hard. Like I was thinking about this. I said, at what point in this season would I get excited and think, all right, this team could really make the playoffs? And to be honest. It, they'd they'd have to get to the last game of the season. They'd have to be nine and seven with a chance to play for the playoffs. But I know, and 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 I was thinking about it, and I was saying, but you know that if they do that, the second I get excited, whether it's that game, whether it's the Tennessee game, whether it's the New Orleans game, that's when they're gonna do it. That's when they're gonna break your heart and lose by thirty. But that's what they that's what they do. Same old Dolphins. And they and they've got the Patriots at home in week 18. You know? So that's but, where you gotta get excited. So that's it. That's the situation. I'm not gonna get excited if we're seven and seven. If we win in New Orleans, okay, I'm paying attention. But I'm still expecting us to lose in Tennessee. If look, you're nine and seven, if you're nine and seven and you've got a home game against the Patriots, who you already beaten on the road this year. That's where I'm getting excited. Here's where I'm excited. I am excited. I will be excited when the Dolphins are in a position where 
if the if the results go the right way, they're in, or or they're at least in the position. Well, right? we're already in that position. No, no, no. Well, but there are so many things that need to happen right now. I mean, I'm talking about a situation where the Dolphins have a game coming up. Let's say maybe it's Week 17 against Tennessee. Where if the Dolphins win that game and a couple of results go the right way elsewhere, the Dolphins would be in a playoff position. That's when I'm fired up. That's when I'm excited. That's when it's a realistic possibility. There are so many dominoes that need to fall. Let's not forget. Let's take a look at the AFC standings right now. Okay, I'm going to pull them up here. Looking at, I think there are like 13 teams currently ahead of the Dolphins. Right? So currently the Bills... So, first of all, you got your division leaders, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Titans, right? They are currently ahead of the Dolphins, the Bills, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Bengals, Steelers, Browns, Colts, all ahead of the Dolphins, okay? Now, the Raiders and the Colts currently hold tiebreakers over the Dolphins because they've defeated us, right? The Bills and the Bengals currently both only have four losses. So the Dolphins are three games back of both of those teams. Dolphins are actually four back of the Bills because the Bills beat us twice already this season, okay? Then you've got all these teams with five losses. The Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Steelers. Then you have the Colts, the Browns with six losses, right? There are a lot, there's a lot of traffic in front of the Dolphins. There's a lot that needs to happen for the Dolphins to entertain the possibility of, yeah, the playoffs. We could go to the playoffs. It's a possibility, sure. But is it something that I'm getting excited for and really believe is going to happen? Not yet. Not yet. Let's let's beat the Giants. Let's beat the Jets. Let's be seven and seven. And then let's win in the Superdome on Monday night football to go eight and seven against another very tough NFC South defense. And if you're eight and seven with two games left to play, let's take a look at where we're at at that point. Oh, so right? you're gonna get excited one week early. Well, if things like if I mean, if things go the right way, I mean, there's a possibility Dolphins could find themselves at eight at seven and still be two games back of a wild card spot. You know, that's not an exaggeration. That's that's a very real possibility, and that's all again because of the hole that the team dug themselves into at the beginning of the season. So, which comes back to the idea of why can't Brian Flores' teams play better at the beginning of the season? And maybe that's continuity. Maybe it's the continuity thing. And so maybe when Eric Studsville oh, and, and George Godsey are the offensive coordinators again next season, uh, this offense Christ. will click at the beginning of the season. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me with this shit. And that's the worst part about this whole thing is that you're, you're absolutely right. That's what's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna look at it and they're going to say, Oh, like we really came into our own offensively. Tua started to play well. These offensive coordinators are really growing. These offensive coordinators blow. They suck. They can't even move. They can't even figure out, Hey, your offensive line sucks. Let's maybe think about moving our quarterback outside of the pocket. Hey, uh, 
Teams teams are uh, more efficient when they pass on first down. Let's run on first down, even though we're the worst rushing team in the, in the league. Like th- these offensive coordinators are awful. But the Dolphins taking advantage of the soft part of the schedule, as predicted, are coming into their own. And so instead of making the big move that should have been made weeks ago, they're going to fool themselves into thinking that everything is going all right. When we inevitably miss the playoffs because we lose a couple of games, they're going to come up with the excuses and they're going to say, oh, well, things just didn't go our way early in the season. Next year will be different because Tua will have more experience and we didn't have, you know, two young rookies that we were depending on developing and two unknown offensive coordinators uh, that are now coaching at their at their peak. It's going to be the same shit. This, well, what, are the, what team do we cheer for? The same old Dolphins. This is what we do. Well, hopefully they can turn a corner and, you know, good things, good things are in the future. That's what we're going to hope for, you know, but I'm because of the pain that this team has inflicted on me for so long, I'm kind of in a constant state of expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And that's, you know, that's just where we are. But hey, I just don't want to get, I don't want to get excited. I, d- I don't want to get excited. I don't think I'm going to get excited because I think they'll lose before I get excited. I'm just, I'm worried. I'm well, worried. Let me ask that you th- this. <laughs> let me ask you this, right? Because we, we like to try to just, you know, isn't there something good about the fact that this team is sucking you back in, pulling you back in? Like, like Al Pacino, what, what's Godfather good, the, the 3, thing about it is, Michael is Corleone, what's good is what's out. bad. What's good is what's bad. Because what's good is that they're making things entertaining and they're slowly but surely getting you to be like, okay, I see that things are moving in the right direction. But that's what's bad because it's completely skewing the reality of the situation, which when you look in the big picture is that they really haven't been moving in the right direction and they really should be a winning team right now. But the reason that they're not is because they're poorly coached. They had a, they had a, a poor scheme, a poor idea in building the coaching staff. They've, I mean, they, they lost, I mean, look, the Jaguars, the Falcons at home, the, the, those are awful losses. You win those two games and you're seven and five and you're literally in the playoffs right now. Because when we looked at the schedule and we said, you know, the Dolphins should really be nine and five going into the last three games of the season. And then that will determine their season. And they really should be there when they win these next two games. But they screwed themselves because they lost really, really awful football games. And you could blame it on whatever you want to blame it on, but the fact is is that they're just not they're just not good enough. Well they weren't good enough at the beginning of the season. And even if they're good enough now, the fact that they weren't good enough at the beginning of the season is why they're not going to make the playoffs. And then if you fool yourself into thinking that next year is going to be somehow different if they bring this same cast of characters back, well, that's the worst thing that could happen. And that's why what's good right now is what's bad. Well, here's what I'll say, because, you know, I think a lot of expectations externally from this organization were playoffs. And I think that was possibly a lot of expectations internally as well. But I want to share a point that was made by 
Mr. Ballgame, who's watching the show tonight. He says they don't need to worry about the playoffs. They need to focus on just getting better. And I think that that is absolutely. Of course they need to focus on getting better. But I mean, what are we going to do as fans? We're going to like take it like like it matters if we take it one game at a time. I don't care. I can look at the whole damn season and and go down the line. It's not going to affect what the Dolphins do. Do the Dolphins need to take it one game at a time? Sure. But we're uh, we're doing a Monday night podcast. We're not allowed to speculate. I mean. Who cares? Where you want us to break down the, the the game against the Giants on Monday and say, "Hey, on to on to on to the Meadowlands," even though it's a home game, on to the Giants. Well, but- it's going to be like the Meadowlands, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I know I just think I think the point is what we realized when this team hit one and seven, when this team makes it falls to one and seven. At that point, the focus is evaluation. The focus is who are the players on this team that are going to continue to be pieces of this team next season? Who are these? Are are any members of this offensive line as horrid as they have been? Are any of these guys going to be on this team next season? Probably not, but let's evaluate. Which of these running backs, Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, which one of them can, can, you know, make a contribution enough to be considered part of this team long-term. These wide receivers, right? Which one of these wide receivers is going to be part of this team long-term? Which of these young members of the secondary are going to be part of this team long-term? And we are seeing it already that there are certain guys who are shining. You are seeing players like Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland and Brandon Jones and, I mean, Duke Riley performing. Andrew Van Ginkle continuing to perform. You've got all of Emmanuel Ogba. You've got guys that you can look at and go, okay, as we continue to move forward, these are the guys that we want to have around. And that should continue to be the focus until we get to a point where playoffs are a a real, real legitimate possibility for this team. Then at that point as a fan, you go, okay, yeah, now I'm in, let's get to the playoff mode. But I'm talking about let's evaluate. Let's look at what these, what this team is doing. Let's look at who these players are. Let's see the progress that they're making. And then if we make the playoffs, fantastic. And let's evaluate how that happened and how that progress It's the same thing with the, we talked about Tua in his seven game audition, right? And waiting until what happens at the end of that seven game audition. Let's see how that plays out. Let's see how this season plays out with all of these players that are on this team before we jump to conclusions and start thinking about all of the grand, wonderful possibilities that the playoffs have to offer. Because I think you can look at it on its face and immediately go, this is not a team that's making a deep run into the playoffs. Sure, anything is possible. But as you look at it on its face, you know, this team is in a hole because of a number of reasons, right? And a number of those reasons, you know, that record is because this team is what they are. Sure. A mediocre football team. And that's not, I'm not saying that I'm, that that's surprising in any way. Um, you know, how could I say that that's surprising hosting a show called the same old dolphin show? Uh, but, but that said, no, I completely agree with you. Um, but what I don't want to happen. And again, this is another case of what's going good is what is bad is that. We tend to look at the results and 
think that everything, you know, when the Dolphins win, we tend to think everything is good. And when the Dolphins lose, we tend to think that all, that everything is bad. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that even though they're playing better, like you mentioned some guys there, uh, like you mentioned Emmanuel Ogba and needing to pay Emmanuel Ogba. I think they probably do need to pay Emmanuel Ogba. Unfortunately, I think they probably should have paid him last year going into this year because instead they're going to let him hit the open market and what they're going to end up doing is overpaying for Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, because Emmanuel Ogba is a good player, but he's not a great player, but he's going to end up getting paid like a great player. And so that's going to be a tough decision. Mike Gesicki is another, is another guy that is a very good player, but I don't know if he's a great player, but the Dolphins probably need to pay him, but probably should have paid him last year and he probably should have gotten a discount. But their mismanagement of situations like that and not having foresight and instead overpaying for Jerome Baker and overpaying for Byron Jones, uh, is going to put them in situations where they're going to have some tough decisions to make. And so it's important to evaluate. I mean, Van Ginkle, Van Ginkle's been disappointing, man. Like, like he makes a couple of, uh, you know, a, a couple of decent pressures here and there, but I'm not saying Van Ginkle is a bad draft pick because he was drafted in like the fourth round. So what you're getting out of Van Ginkle is, is good for where he was drafted. But considering the expectations coming into the season where Van Ginkle was supposed to take this step and be some great edge rusher, he's like the fourth best blitzer on the team. I mean, he's a sub-package linebacker. He's not really, like, Van Ginkle is not a big part of this future, at least not if you have to pay him. Um, I think that's fair. And, and like, Christian Wilkins, are we going to pay Christian Wilkins for being a pretty good defensive tackle? But what are we going to pay him? We're going to, you can't pay, you can't pay all these guys. Not ever, not all of these guys are really good. Um, so, you know, I agree with you. Let's evaluate. So let's do that. Let's evaluate. Um, I just don't want to get too excited and think that, you know, just because we're winning football games, that the evaluation of all these guys and Tua is included in that just goes through the moon. Let's look at it objectively. You know, Tua made a couple of good throws. He didn't make mistakes. He's proving to be a pretty good game manager. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, listen, I don't want to get upset. I mean, we just won 33 to 10, for God's sake, right? That's something to be excited about, right? I was so fired up at the top of this. And now I'm all now I'm all pissed off because we're they talking about the playoffs? What happened? How did this happen? What is this team doing to me? Well, I you know, I'm the heel of the program. You are you you certainly are. You are you are the the MJF of the same old dolphin show. So uh my friends, thank you as always for listening to the same old Dolphin Show. Reminder to make sure that you check out our sponsors. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code Dolphins Talk, save 20% off your order and get free shipping on the best men's below the waist grooming products in the world. Head on over to BetUS, use the promo code Dolphins Talk, get a sign up bonus of 125%. That's a really great thing to do if you want to get into the sports gambling. Make sure that you download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave us that five star rating, leave us a positive review. We appreciate it. Subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, turn on the notifications bell, and like this video. Share it with your friends, send it everywhere around. We love 
interacting with new Miami Dolphin fans or even old Miami Dolphin fans who are just discovering the show for the first time. We love talking to everybody. And, you know, listen, I know I get I get upset sometimes about, you know, certain attitudes of certain people that that support this team or or purport to support this team. At the end of the day, it's all love. It's all love. Love the Miami Dolphins. And that's all I got to say about that. Dolphinstalk.com at Amplified to Rock is me. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. How about the Facebook page? Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. You can give us a like over there as well. We will be back with you again later this week to preview the game against Daniel Jones. Danny Dimes coming to town to take on the Miami Dolphins. And uh, that's going to be that's going to be a scene because there's going to be quite a few Giants fans down there at Hard Rock Stadium for that one. But we'll be back to preview that later on this week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!